Hey everyone, welcome back to the Hashrate Happy Hour podcast, where this week I had the pleasure of sitting down with Adam Swick, the Chief Growth Officer at Marathon Digital. On this episode, we go deep into the benefits of being an asset light Bitcoin miner and how Marathon is now taking a portfolio approach to the future in terms of building its own sites and achieving growth targets. We also have a lot of discussion at the end about their super exciting joint venture that they have in the UAE, where they're helping solve a demand-supply mismatch for the utility company. Marathon is absolutely a juggernaut in the Bitcoin mining industry, so I hope that you all find this discussion super insightful. This show is brought to you by Foreman, the leading miner management software where you can also manage and automate your curtailment strategy all from one clean dashboard. Whether you have three miners or 30,000 miners and a robust, complicated curtailment strategy in a regulated power market, you can manage all of that leveraging Foreman. Guys, I, I honestly don't think I'm doing the software justice just by talking about it. You really need to go give this a try for yourselves just to understand how easy it is to start and quickly find multiple miners all at once, configure them all at once, and then set up your automated prompts for ramp up and ramp down for the particular curtailment strategy that you have. Seriously, if I can do this, which which I have, and I still use to this day, then all of you certainly can do this too. Go check them out and get started managing your miners like a pro today at foreman.mn. That's F-O-R-E-M-A-N dot M-N, Foreman dot M-N. Today's podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, the Texas Blockchain Council, a Bitcoin-first, nonprofit industry organization working to make Texas the jurisdiction of choice for Bitcoin mining and blockchain innovation. They will be hosting North America's premier policy conference for Bitcoin and the digital asset ecosystem on November 15th through 17th in Fort Worth, Texas. For more information, please visit their website at texasblockchaincouncil.org. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Like I said in the introduction, I'm here with Adam Swick of Marathon Digital. Adam, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Ben. Thanks to the listeners for listening. Yeah, I, you know, what's what's fun about this, Adam, is is we actually found out that we're 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 relatively neighbors. I uh you know it's when people think bitcoin mining they think Texas and ERCOT and and then you know we're we're up here in Minnesota, sleepy little Minnesota. Um so yeah, it's I'm I'm really glad that we're going to get a chance to sit down and kind of hash out all things power and bitcoin mining and marathon. Yeah, no, definitely. It's so true, you know. It seems like such a big space, but on the other hand it's quite small. Uh, and it's funny when you run into people and it was uh, an absolute pleasure to have you reach out and realize that I think you're what, 10, 15 minutes away yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, from each of our home offices. So uh, small world indeed. And it's again, crazy how frequently uh, these serendipitous moments happen. And so uh, very pleased to see that this podcast exists and very honored that I was uh, invited to be on it. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm flattered by that, that last part. No, of course I, I was very excited to get you on the show. So it's uh, no, this this will be good. So where I like to always start with guests, Adam, is I, I think it does really help the rest of the conversation to hear your background and, and where you're coming from. And then what in the world brought you to this crazy ecosystem of Bitcoin mining and marathon and 
So yeah, if you could just run us through your background and how that brought you to, to Marathon. Sure. And definitely one of my question, favorite questions as well. Everybody has a crazy, funny, lucky, <laughs> yes. you know, weird story about what brought them to this world. Uh, and so happy to share mine. My background resume would be a little more boring, uh, you know, exciting for me, but might not be the most exciting for others. Started in sure. consulting, learned a lot uh, about how businesses operate, how they could improve, worked with lots of smart people. Spent some time in early stage venture capital investing. Uh, similar, I, I feel like across both those roles, the main thing I learned was how to learn, uh, which oh. I underappreciated what an important skill that was. You know, the ability to learn quickly and on topics that you had zero idea about, whether it be a new consulting client you were walking into or a new startup that was coming in to pitch you on this massive problem that you didn't even know existed. Uh, it taught you a to be humble and recognize that you don't know as much as you think you know, uh, but b to be open and learn fast. Uh, so that's where it all started. Uh, ended up then going back to school to get an MBA and came out of that really focused on crypto, uh, and found myself launching a small crypto hedge fund. Then found myself working at Kraken, the digital asset exchange, mm. uh, on their strategy team and their finance team, which was a super exciting time. Uh, then actually left the world of crypto, went back to early VC investing and realized that I just missed it. Uh, you know, once you're in this world, it's, it's very hard to leave. Uh, and so looked around a lot of places and was lucky enough to, to find marathon, uh, and have been here about two years. So that's the, that's the resume background. The, the crypto story, uh, yeah, is actually yeah. when I was working in consulting, I had one of my good coworker friends looking to leave and he was choosing between a couple of different jobs. And one of those jobs he was choosing between was Coinbase. And so in order to serve as a sounding board for him as he made this next career decision, you know, I had to understand what Coinbase did. <laughs> uh, and so I'm very thankful to this friend clearly because he's the one that uh, sent me down the rabbit hole. And I've kind of been learning ever since. Uh, and this is what's brought me to today, which is now, as mentioned, at Marathon Digital Holdings. What really drew me here was the team, uh, you know, how smart, how kind, how driven they are. And that's what's keeping me here today. And the coming from the crypto side, obviously, the mining space has a lot of people that come from crypto and some that come from energy. Mm -hmm. I definitely come from the crypto side. And so I've been learning about the energy side. Uh, and I thought crypto was the confusing, complicated sector, uh, <laughs> you know, the energy side, even, even more so, uh, which again, all goes to learning and it's all part of the fun. So, uh, oh my gosh. That's, yeah. That's, and it's, that's uh, what brings us to today. Yeah. Well, thank you, Adam. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the, the energy component to all this is a deep, deep, deep rabbit hole. <laughs> Hence the show. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, you know, likewise, like you, I, I, I try to be as curious as I can be. And it's like, wow, I gotta, I just, I gotta talk to the the smarter people, the people that are a lot smarter than me, it's a it's a deep rabbit hole, that's for sure. Yeah, the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. And it's, you know, you know, first starting to learn about Bitcoin, I thought I understood it and, you know, would be explaining it to friends as you first do when you're so excited and they would ask questions, which I would not have the answer to. And I'd realize I had to learn more. Uh, finally thought I wrapped my head around this distributed led ledger technology 
And then next thing I know, you know, I'm buying a used miner on eBay just to dabble with it. And that thing showed up and I had no idea what to do with it. And so again, I felt like I was back to square zero on the learning curve when it came to mining uh, in my apartment, which my significant other was not a fan of uh, having that thing humming away in the living room. Uh, but, uh, again, it's just learning after learning after learning. And I think that's what keeps a lot of people in the space. And what makes it hard to leave the space is everything else seems slow compared to, uh, crypto and mining in general. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, especially the, like the, like you said, kind of that transition from crypto to, to Bitcoin. I, I actually, I'd be curious to hear like what maybe was the draw for you about the physical infrastructure, the power, like kind of the energy side, just, you know, and I ask because it's, it's quite a bit different than, you know, high return profile of a crypto portfolio, that kind of thing. So I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. And so to level set, I think it's first that recognition, Bitcoin is hard to understand. I mean, you have to have somebody that is willing to listen for a decent amount of time to truly appreciate how revolutionary it is. And unfortunately, five seconds is not enough. And yeah. you have to have someone that's dedicated and, and open to understanding. Uh, and it's hard. And people learn different ways and are drawn to different ways of thinking, visual learners, et cetera. And this is just one of the things I realized when I had the, the crypto hedge fund is as I was explaining the idea of Bitcoin cryptocurrencies to investors in the space, mm-hmm. a lot of them didn't get it because they couldn't see it. They couldn't feel it. They couldn't wrap their head around it. Uh, but I realized as I was walking them through the basics of Bitcoin, when I mentioned mining, they seemed to get that more. And you know, when you go to a, a Bitcoin miner, even when you have one of these ASICs humming away in your living room, yeah. like I had at one point, it's different. You can see it. You can feel it. Uh, you know, it's one for thing for me to say this is converting electrons into you know a store of value via Bitcoin, but it's different to like see it there, mm-hmm. uh, and I think it makes it real for a lot of people that learn it in that way, whatever way that is. Uh, and so I found it very helpful as a way to orange pill a lot of people is to really start with mining uh, because I can show them pictures uh, and I can show them videos and. If I can kind of set that hook with uh, here's a physical thing and this is a part of this bigger thing of Bitcoin, uh, it's been a great way to start a lot of conversations. Those conversations obviously get very complicated, as mentioned, because here we are, mining sits at that intersection of uh, blockchain and energy, which arguably are two of the most confusing spaces and we sit at the middle of them. So, you know. Uh, it's perfectly reasonable why people don't completely understand what we're doing, why regulators wrestle with it, but also all the more important why it's up to us to take the time to kind of educate uh, and at times oversimplify. I think we fall victim to the curse of knowing too much. You know, you live in this world all day, every day, live it, breathe it. You start to use acronyms and simplified things and throw around things like joules per terahash and mm-hmm. megawatts. You know, this is these are not things that you knew ten years ago uh, before you got sucked into this space. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's all part of the fun and the challenge. Absolutely, I, and yeah, I think you know I've I've started to experience a lot of that most recently. Again, you know, you're in the space for long enough, and it just becomes no brainers. I think the the funniest one for me is 
you know, now on, I think especially Twitter and, and some other, you know, spaces you see people throwing around 25, 50, a hundred megawatt sites as if that's like the norm. And it's like, wait, wait hold on. We, we let's just pause here for a second. Even a, yeah. even a 25 megawatt operation. That's a, that's a serious operation. Um, yes. Yeah. No, it's funny. We have the exact same thing as we're obviously always speaking with partners from around the world. Uh, you know, at times we will ask, you know, Oh, how big of a mining site are you have? And they almost fa- sound embarrassed to admit to big marathon that you know they have a 10 megawatt site and you're like no that's 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 a serious bitcoin mine yeah. and, and great for you that you've built something like that be uh, because this is hard yeah absolutely and uh yeah i especially if you get out you know so i'm i'm very privileged to my my day job i get a chance to go crawl around mining facilities i get to go poke around and and see these things in person. And I just most recently was at a facility where their pilot program was a 15 megawatt operation <laughs> inside of a decommissioned coal plant. And I, you you can't see the end of the shelving. I mean, this thing, <laughs> I, it was just, it's just so impressive when you get to see it in person. And it's, uh, it's awesome that, that, you know, companies are willing to, to offer up tours to just everyday people too. So I, yeah, I'd encourage the audience if you guys haven't, been into a mining facility uh you should go check one out it's it's pretty incredible definitely it's it's almost too easy to put into words when you say things like oh you know marathon is driving towards this 23x hash target and like okay that's a sentence i can wrap my head around it but then you start to ask the follow-up questions like okay how many machines that's just under two hundred thousand machines (laughs) Uh, mind blowing. You know, two hundred thousand is exactly a number you can't visualize until you start going to these places. And you know, the logistics of keeping two hundred thousand things clean, running, operational, keeping track of which ones need maintenance, which ones need fixing. Uh, the devil is in the details, and so uh, definitely a newfound appreciation every time I get to go to the sites uh, because they are. You know, well-oiled machines. Oh, absolutely. Um, themselves, absolutely. And I, this is a good segue because Adam, I wanted to 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 dig into Marathon and and you know chat about Marathon. And so one of the things that you know when you when you look at Marathon, you guys are you know pretty natively an asset-like company. Um, you guys are really leaning on infrastructure partners, kind of throughout the stack there. I would just be curious. I mean, is that what the future is going to look like for you guys? Are you guys exploring alternative? Basically, what you know? How do how do you see this playing out in the future? Yeah, and you, you hit the nail on the head in terms of where we're coming from. We historically has focused on this asset light, leaning on infrastructure partners, and I do believe that that is the best way to grow fast. Any dollar that you're spending on infrastructure is a dollar you could have spent on another ASIC, another mm-hmm. Bitcoin mining machine, miner. Uh, and so if the goal is to grow fast, that's the way to do it. And that's what we were really focused on over the past couple of years. And, you know, obviously, there are then pros and cons to this model. And so if you start to think through all the key portions of you know, working with a third party to host your machines or self-hosting, there are things like... You know, who controls the operations? You know, obviously, you might want to have your own way of doing things. Uh, that, that's a benefit of doing it yourself. 
OPEX can be slightly lower. Operating expenditures can be slightly lower if you do it yourself, because obviously any third-party hoster is going to be building in a margin for themselves. Sure. You know, one of the benefits of third-party hosting is a little easier to be geographically diversified. You know, it's a lot easier to select amongst different, uh, you know, pr- providers, hosters. Uh, when oftentimes, if you're doing it by yourself, you might be all in on one location. Uh, but some of the obvious pros and cons to answer your question, what we're thinking about it moving forward is kind of like a portfolio approach to mining. And there just as your own investment portfolio has stocks, equities, which are more volatile, perform well in bull markets, perform less well in bear markets. You balance that out with your bonds uh, and your fixed income. You also have cash. Uh, you might also have gold, uh, you know, we can kind of think of in in what's the last one? Alternative assets, you yeah. know, like private equity, venture capital. We can kind of think of examples for each of those in a Bitcoin mining portfolio. And so, I would argue that the third party hosting is kind of like the stocks of our portfolio. Performs super well in bull markets. Performs less well in bear markets. Self hosting is kind of like the bonds of the portfolio. They're more stable. Uh, um, more control over them, et cetera. Uh, cash is basically, obviously, Bitcoin yep. uh, or gold. It would be the equivalent of Bitcoin, which we hold on our balance sheet. And the last piece is then those alternative investments, which uh, were, is going to be things like renewable energy credits. And so Marathon historically has been very overweight on you know the stock part of that portfolio, the third-party hosting. And as we move forward, I think you'll try you'll start to see us focus on it more as a portfolio and there's a right time for each right piece to be put together um well that's fantastic and <laughs> what a what a awesome you know analogy to to draw to you know so I, I appreciate that a lot because i think it helps just lay out how you guys think about your your mining operation and then you know what we can start to to look for into the future um, maybe just speaking to like the present day, what, you know, if any, do you guys have relationships with the power companies at the sites that you're, you're at? I, I'd love to maybe just hear like how involved in your infrastructure stack do you get just kind of in the present day? Yeah, more and more every day. And this is, I think, a good trend that we're seeing in the industry. I would say, I think, who coined it best was uh, our friends over at Oridine, <clears throat> which was the idea that mining kind of started as hobbyists. Mm-hmm. I was one of them. Uh, people tinkering around. Then we kind of entered phase two, which was the industrial mining era. And so that was people building these massive multi-hundred megawatt sites. Now, you know, Oridine calls it phase three being like a responsible partner of the energy and financial ecosystem. But the way that I simplify this is I think we're noticing a shift from being major customers of uh, electrical generators, utilities, governments to being a instrument or a tool. Uh, I have to think of a, the right word uh, to capture it, but instead of us showing up and saying, we would like to buy some cheap power, please. We're starting to notice a few of the more forward-looking utilities, governments, energy generators reaching out to us and saying, hey, we've identified a problem and we think Bitcoin mining is the solution, which means oh, wow. uh, 
we're developing much stronger relationships with these energy generators, energy investors, governments, uh, as they're recognizing that there are ways to optimize their uh, electrical everything. Um, and so those relationships are all the more important. Uh, educating is super important as we go along on this journey. Uh, and different utilities are on different you know, paths. Mm-hmm. And it's really important to kind of meet them where they are, understand the work they've done, understand the work that, that they haven't done, and help take them to the next level. Wow. Yeah, that's and I I mean I I'm starting to to see and hear quite a bit of that too. Um would just be curious are they approaching you guys with, you know, the the potential challenges on their grid system and are they starting to be more open-minded because and I asked that because, you know, previously a couple of years ago, um they weren't so much or they were just flat out saying we don't want bitcoin mining on our grid system, stuff like that. So I are they coming to you more open-minded and, you know, a little bit more open book? Is that what you're starting to see? I think so. They're, it feels like they're more open to the conversation and they want to learn. And I think the benefits of Bitcoin mining are becoming more and more well-known in the kind of energy sector and word is spreading. I like to say that you know, Bitcoin miners are optimizers of energy. And you're, okay, what is that word? Optimize. It's <laughs> yeah. kind of meaningless. But I, I intentionally choose it because it is so broad. And so optimize what? The economics of the site? Yeah, Bitcoin miners can help with that. Uh, how many energy, how many wind, solar developers are partnering with Bitcoin miners to optimize the economics of the site and have that baseload customer that's sitting there to take the electrons reliably. Okay, optimize what else? Optimize the actual performance of the grid. This is what's happening all the time in ERCOT and in other countries around the world where the grid just has a fundamental supply and demand problem. And yes, we yep. can try to balance a scale by messing with the supply and turning plants on and off. But Bitcoin mining is this new tool that allows you to mess with the demand very, very quickly. Uh, and so, I mean, between optimizing economics, optimizing actual performance, these are, these are the things that I think are starting to perk the energy, I hope, are what is hoping to perk the ears up in the energy sector and cause people to reach out. And yeah. I love it when they reach out and say, hey, we have this problem. We think you might be a solution. Could you help us think through it? Those are my favorite conversations to have which again are very different than four years ago, which was us calling and saying, hello, we'd like to buy some power, please. It's just much more, right. much more interesting conversations and I think going to lead to better answers for everyone involved. And now a quick word from our sponsor. This show is powered by Giga Energy. Giga Energy is a vertically integrated Bitcoin mining company that manufactures all of the electrical infrastructure needed to start mining Bitcoin. Whether that's medium voltage switchgear, PDUs, or power cables for your miners, the team at Giga Energy has you covered. Reach out to their sales team today for all of your electrical infrastructure needs at sales at gigaenergy.com. Use the word hash rate for the subject of the email and you'll get 5% off your order. All right, now back to the show. Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, 100%. It's going to lead to a better working relationship, kind of everything up and down the, the chain. I, uh, you know, interestingly, I, I recently recorded a, a podcast with ERCOT. Um, so I had a couple of representatives from the the large flexible load task force at ERCOT. Um, 
they shared some interesting perspectives and it it was actually a lot of undertone of concern over ramp rates and just controllability of this load so what they found in ERCOT is with ERCOT being isolated is kind of this sweet little experiment you know it's isolated grid they can really and it's it's a large grid but it's small enough where you know a couple percentage points of usage on that grid system is impactful so anyways they they shared with me that what they desperately are looking for in like a mining partner or even you know more broadly they they actually didn't say mining a whole lot they called it large flexible load <laughs> yeah. sounds right yeah they you know one of the things that they expressed was like the the creme de la creme for them and in that relationship is the controllability of the load mm. and just being able to forecast it accurately i curious are are you hearing things like that in these these types of discussions or has that started to come up yes yes it's it, it's all that it's a bitcoin miners are getting better at what their capabilities are uh, you know even things like overclocking and underclocking to oversimplify you know, this world basically started as an on-off, <laughs> we're mining or we're not mining. Uh, but as things, you know, Marathon, we've developed our own firmware that allows us to overclock and underclock. So suddenly that machine that one was either zero or one uh, running can now be, you know, 0.5 to 1.5. Yeah, yeah. And so on the one hand, you have Bitcoin miners getting a lot better at the tools they can offer. And on the other side, you have the energy companies that are getting better at articulating their problems and trying to figure out where those puzzle pieces come together. Uh, and, and so, yes, we're seeing it. And again, I think education is a big piece. I was speaking with someone the other day uh, at a university that has a small microgrid. And I was oh, like, cool. oh, have you ever thought about uh, balancing, you know, like with a couple Bitcoin miners to just help balance the microgrid? And he's like, no, not a big don't know much about Bitcoin mining, not for me. I was like, oh, that's surprising to me. But nonetheless, went on to ask him some more questions about the microgrid. And uh, he was mentioning how he was struggling with balancing. Uh, and, yeah. and I was like, well, you know, to go back to my first question, do you, would something, would a interruptible load that consume, you know, in the size of a shoebox consumes three kilowatts and you can turn it on and off within seconds? Is, is that appealing? And he's like, well, yeah, I need that. Uh, he was, he was, you know, in his lab turning on and off water heaters, oh, wow. uh, to help balance the grid. Uh, and so just boiling water, uh, and again, it, shame on me, I suppose, for starting with, uh, have you ever considered Bitcoin mining as opposed to saying, have you ever considered a, you know, interruptible load that can respond within seconds. But uh, again, it was just that just different framing, uh, led to a very different level of excitement, uh, for the conversation. And I think all energy utilities are going through that. Uh, and what actually is Bitcoin mining? And once you kind of peek behind the curtain and pass some of the headlines that may be misleading, yeah, uh, it's it's very interesting. Yeah, there's been some really sticky negative narratives out there uh, regarding. I think it's just Bitcoin at large, and so you attach Bitcoin to the mining, and they're they immediately just have a lot of negative association with that. So, oh, wow. What a cool, what a cool story. Thank you. Was that in Minnesota by chance? Is that like the U of M or, or is that like a university local here? 
I'll have to look up exactly where we, we've been speaking with a lot of yeah, universities yeah. <laughs> trying to push forward research in that. And so uh, uh, it was in definitely in the Midwest because that's the region that I focused on. I selfishly was focused on ones that I could hopefully visit. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I'll get back to you. Cool. Yeah. And we, uh, we should, we should chat offline about maybe a, a U of M initiative, you know, just right here in our backyard. I think that'd be cool to, uh, I, I just, I look at Texas and, and the Texas blockchain council, they're so enmeshed with, I think all the major universities down in Texas. And I think maybe a little side thing we could, you know, potentially yeah. talk about is how do we get yeah. the U of M involved if they're not already, they may be involved and I just haven't seen anything about it yeah i mean on the pro con list we're definitely winning for a more hospitable uh environment uh weather wise uh, uh for these bitcoin miners so uh let's definitely make it happen i could i could use some during the as a somewhat new minnesotan i could definitely use some <laughs> of these uh, bitcoin miners heating up more things up here i've got a couple m30s's in my basement adam i'll, I'll uh i can give you one. man you're <laughs> ahead of me yeah, there, the, yeah there's the yeah in floor heating right there. there you go yeah if you don't mind the noise well no you know we'll we'll take a steam barber black box we'll kill the noise we'll channel the heat it'll be great it'll be a fun project hey i enjoy sleeping to a little white noise so this all sounds good to me <laughs> for uh, those winter nights that's that's a it's a it's a it's a hell of a white noise it's <laughs> <laughs> like a hundred hundred decibel white noise yeah no it's it's all good uh we're actually kind of going in a direction that i was curious about as well marathon you guys have you have a hell of an r&d team um and you touched on it with like underclocking, overclocking. You've got tech built up and around that. I'd love for you to maybe just expand a little bit more on what is your R and D team up to? What are you guys? What are you guys looking at? Yeah, it's it's one of my favorite things about Marathon as well is just really trying to push the envelope in terms of what's possible. And part of it is genuine excitement from everybody internally about wanting to try new things and that just being the general spirit of entrepreneurship within marathon and part of it is forced in the sense of when you're mining with 200,000 miners you're running into challenges that mm -hmm. other people are not running into uh and at some point you're kind of like this is broken i need to fix it <laughs> yeah. uh and so that's that's the backstory uh but yeah the things that we're focused on it all i think it really all started with our pool which is exciting that we run and operate our own pool, uh, Maripool, which A, increases just control of things, B, increases transparency. Uh, you know, it is pretty cool to have a public company where you can, you know, in theory, all of the analysts' revenue forecast should be 100% accurate because you can know exactly when we're making any dollar yeah. uh, watching those Bitcoins come into our wallet. But it also allows us to try to make small enhancements. And so, you know, to, again, greatly oversimplify, think about things. If you're running a public pool, your pool has to support every machine out there. Uh, whereas Marathon, we basically, our fleet today is largely made up of two broad types of machines, the kind of S19 series and XP series. And so we don't have to support all of those things, which, again, in theory, might hopefully speed up the pool a little bit. Similar, again, to oversimplify, you think about public pools can't really trust their miners. And so they have to do like an extra check mm. anytime a miner is doing work and, and making sure that no one's trying to, you know, scam the pool. You know, we kind of, we trust our own miners. And so we can just remove those extra set of checks, uh, which these are, you know, these aren't 50% improvement. This is like, you know, 
0.2% improvement there, 0.2% improvement there. But over the course of, you know, 200,000 machines, this starts to become very meaningful. Yeah. Uh, so that's our pool, which we're, we're very excited by. It then kind of led to firmware and utilizing a proprietary firmware to manage all of these miners. Uh, really look into overclocking, really look into underclocking, really look into shorter curtailment times and being able to turn on and off uh, a lot quicker um, and being able to optimize for your choice at that moment. Do you want to set a target electricity draw, a, a target hash rate, a target temperature, a target voltage? Mm-hmm. Um, and we rely on this heavily and just got to the point where, again, we should do it ourselves. Uh, and so that is then spun to many other things, such as investing in other uh, mining ASICs, uh, which allow us to work collaboratively with what is the ideal ASIC out there. Again, the challenges that we've run into with 200,000 is different uh, than yeah. you know when I had one in my living room. And so our wish list was just different. Uh, so it's been great to collaborate with ASIC manufacturers along that line. Uh, and then the last piece I would say of our the stack that we've been focused on is custom-built immersion solutions. Ooh which really came to a, the need there was with our joint venture in the UAE, uh, which air-cooled was not an option. Uh, And so, you know, very exciting opportunity to do the joint venture in the UAE. I think our ops team almost fainted when we said that we were going to build a 250 megawatt (laughs) mine in the UAE. They you know, said literally, could you pick anywhere else uh, in terms yeah, of bet. the things that our miners do not like are heat and dust yep. and what and an abundance find the yep. most heat. Yes. <laughs> and you seem to have picked the place with the most heat and the most dust. Uh, but uh, it's actually it's actually been working super well. Good. Uh, and so just trying to think through, you know, fixes that noise problem that you and I uh, to help you sleep better at night. So you don't have to have as noisy of fans really uh, reduces the amount of maintenance required on the miners uh, again makes it much more flexible which climate uh, and this is this is on its infancy you know bitcoin mining is not that old bitcoin mining at an enterprise scale is even younger yeah uh, immersion hydro is even younger uh, so these innovations are substantial uh, these are big leaps we are not flattening the curve yet uh, but you know, heat reuse is another thing. I could talk forever yeah, about all yeah. the cool things that that we have, and uh, hopefully, more exciting news to come soon from both Marathon and the entire industry as uh, people are innovating. Oh, absolutely! And, well, and so thank you for walking through the the tech stack there. I mean, it's you know, couple couple things on that is I think as as companies like Marathon look to to really continue. I mean, you guys really are, you know. People look at Marathon as as one of the leaders in the space. So I think as you guys continue to to navigate that position in the market, it's how do you have everything kind of in house? So like you said, that you, you can have that type of finite control over it. And so I've got a, a good buddy in the Twin Cities here as well. I, I give a shout out to Max Yankee with Urkel Pool. I, I know just how difficult getting a pool up and running is, and I mean they've been crushing it. They've been doing a really good job. So it's. Like even just the the stuff on the pool side, like man, it's <laughs> it's not easy. Yeah. So I mean, kudos to to you guys and your team. And then we, I, 
the form factor on hydro and and immersion and all that is I actually really like the the M53s, the what's miners. I don't know a whole lot about Bitmain's hydro stuff, but uh, I've been a little bit closer to to the new micro BT M53 series. Um super excited to see this like really nice tidy package closed loop system cuz single phase I curious to get your take, but single phase seems to invite challenges, you know, whether it's keeping the environment clean or keeping your, your, you know, all of your components working optimally. I I'm curious if how, yeah. how that goes from immersion to hydro, like what, what do you guys see is the better yeah. of the two? No, well, I mean, pros and cons to everything and yeah, challenges yeah, with yeah. all of them. And it's kind of which uh, battle do you want to fight? Uh, you know, in the in the UAE with the joint venture, we went with immersion. And so we've gotten really good at the immersion side of things. Were there challenges? Yes. Uh, but did we learn and quickly overcome them? Yes. Uh, and so hopefully we don't have to overcome them anymore. Hopefully we've kind of overcome a lot of that learning. That's sure. what we've kind of seen. You know, the first container is the most difficult. Two through ten are a little challenging 10 through 20 and then you know you figure it out yeah uh which was again all part of the fun and yeah in regards to miners it's an exciting time you know as we're recording this we're in this fun time period where we just heard a lot of announcements of miners coming uh, but the miners are not yet in anyone's hands (laughs) uh and so kind of in an exciting sit and wait period uh, and very excited once those miners actually showing up in people's hands to start hearing the evaluations, the the pros, the cons of all of these. But uh, have you again, gotten just to evidence see, a lot? Have have you? Sorry to jump in. Have you gotten to see? No, like, please. Have you have you touched and felt the S twenty ones yet? I don't know if you can even say. But personally, uh, I have not. Okay. I know some of our team members. Uh, I don't know if they've actually gotten to touch or feel it. Uh, but you know, I think the XP came out and everybody's, you know, ah, man, this, our minds are blown. Innovation's never going to like continue after this. And here we are, uh, again, making another big leap across manufacturers. Like you said, uh, micro BT, Canon, uh, Antminer, Ordine, Mm -hmm. uh, all those that I am not rattling off apologies, but, uh, the innovation continues. Yeah, it's it's uh it's a wild time, that's for sure. And we're uh we're recording end of September here um in twenty twenty three. And I don't we'll see how long, you know, people go or how far people go back on the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's Let a, the record show timestamp it. Yes. Yeah. Today's date. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Captain's log. Yes. Um you've you've teased it a little bit a couple of times. You guys have a two hundred and fifty megawatt joint venture uh project going on with the UAE maybe how did that originate uh, walk me through it I, I guess if if you could sure and it kind of bring, great question because it brings together a lot of what we've talked about is this was kudos to uh, this this is in Abu Dhabi and so kudos to them and their utility and their uh sovereign wealth fund over there for identifying the problem they have a electrical generation demand mismatch. During the summer, they can consume a lot of electricity running air conditioners, but on summer nights and for the not summer months, the electric 
electrical demand is much lower. Mm -hmm. And so there's this major gap. Clearly, you have to build out generation to satisfy that max demand on the hottest day to run all the air conditioners. Yeah. But that means a lot of it's sitting idle for most of the year. Uh, this is exacerbated by the fact that a lot of their water is desalinated. And so they actually have to keep a lot of these energy generation mechanisms running just to desalinate water. And so, you know, just huge problem. Mm. And again, kudos to them for identifying, hey, Bitcoin mining might fix this. Uh, and so uh, reached out, had a conversation, uh, confirmed that, yeah, we think it could fix it too. Uh, and then it happened very quickly, started with a small pilot, uh, where again, I, uh, we really stressed our ops team and saying, well, let's try this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We worked very closely to try to develop what we thought was a great immersion cooling container that could survive the elements out there, deployed it during a hot month, uh, held our breath and watched for three months when this container ran without any interventions needed. No maintenance, no anything. It just hummed along for three months. That's fantastic. Uh, and I think everybody looked around and was like, yeah, this, this can work. This will work. Uh, and from there, partnered with uh, our friend Zero Two uh, is the uh, partner in the joint venture. They own 80%. We own 20%. And we are building in the middle of deploying a 250 megawatt mine across two sites, 150 megawatt site, one 200 megawatt site in the Abu Dhabi region. It's, it's using the uh, immersion cooling. It's using, obviously, firmware is incredibly important over there uh, to maintain temperatures. Mm -hmm. uh, curtailment is incredibly important. So, you know, as you mentioned, end of September, so we're coming out of hot summer months. And so the machines are shutting down during those peaks of the day when everybody's running their air conditioners, and then they're turning on at night. And as we enter into winter, they'll continue to, to run all, all the time. But it was this really great partnership of uh, working with the local utility EWIC, E-W-E-C, uh, and then the Sovereign Wealth Fund in terms of investment dollars, zero to our operational partners. And again, everybody just got it. Yeah. Uh, and it's and it's and it's going super well. And I'm I'm hoping people are following along with this in other countries, regions and other, uh, you know, even small electrical utilities see this uh, and see what's possible. Because, uh, again, if you can uh, do it with 250 megawatts in one of the harshest environments, you can, you know, you can do this anywhere. Yeah, uh, right. Uh, and so it, it's been a, a lot of fun. Uh, uh, and some great work has been done across uh, Marathon and several of our partners to make this happen. But uh, hopefully we'll be continuing to deploy uh, and targeted to be fully energized this year. Wow. Um, it's insanely cool. So I think maybe just to like boil it down even simpler, the the solution that you guys are bringing to to, to them is helping... Is it helping with the 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 revenue, like smoothing out the revenue to keep the utility running? Or I guess it's probably a combo platter of like solutions yeah. because you're balancing. Because I, I don't think they run at 60 hertz over there, but you, you got to keep the grid balanced, which, you know. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's both. Number one, it's, you know, like we said, optimizing economics or optimizing the actual performance. Optimizing the performance, they... They 
wanted someone to help balance uh, as they, you know, they have a lot of uh, clean energy coming online. They have a lot of nuclear. Uh, and so having someone that can turn on and off, which we're doing, and it was optimizing the economics. Mm-hmm. If you have excess generation built out, you know, someone has to pay for that excess generation to just sit there doing nothing. Uh, and instead we can, you know, help pay for that excess generation to sit there, you know, back the envelope numbers in 2021, I think the UAE produced 150 ish, uh, terawatt hours of electricity, but only consumed 129. What I'm basically saying is if you assume they could have, let's pick an assumption number. If you assume they could have taken all of their excess electricity and monetized it at three cents a kilowatt hour, that's $600 million. And obviously like there's a lot of assumptions in there. You can't perfectly capture every spare electron, but, and that's at three cents a kilowatt hour. Like again, Bitcoin mining is producing more than three cents a kilowatt hour. Uh, but these are big, big numbers, that's big numbers. Uh, yeah. If you're able to that's, capture this uh, difference between the uh, production and uh, consumption and optimize things, man. And I, I mean that it's kind of like the crux of this whole podcast starting is like that type of relationship that you guys are, you know, uh, that you have established and that you are, you know, building and making more robust like that. That is for me, that's kind of the goal. The dream is to help bridge that gap and have those relationships form. So it's that's so cool to to hear. And again, we geographically, we live close to each other. So, Adam, I'll, I'll probably bug you for like a follow up. Uh, when you guys get farther along in that relationship, just to like, let's sure. let's just dive deep into it at some point in the future. Yeah, we'll bring along some pictures again. It's like it's just legitimately uh, cool stuff. Yeah, uh, very. Cool. I mean, there are this is one example, and there are examples across Marathon and across the broader Bitcoin mining community of uh, people just doing plain cool stuff. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Maybe just to to keep a tab on the time, Adam. I, you know, we're we're kind of we're, we're we're bright and early. We're not kind of we we started this podcast bright and early. We both have busy days. So I, what I'd love to maybe kind of end the show with here, Adam, is your, your chief growth officer at at Marathon. Walk us through me and the audience through what the next two, five, ten years looks like for for Marathon. What what can you share with us? Yeah, let's let's see. I think it's uh, let's call it uh, focus on three things uh, off the top of my head. Uh, number one is continuing to focus on developing that technology stack. That is what unlocks a lot of uh, value for shareholders and unlocks a lot of performance enhancements that allow us to just mine more efficiently. Um, so investing across software, hardware, cooling technologies, I think you'll see us really focus on that. Uh, the second is really continuing to focus on partnerships uh, and exactly what this podcast is focused on, uh, being an instrument to help governments, mm-hmm. utilities, people building new wind or solar farms, people with stranded energy, uh, uh, people with flaring issues, p- uh, landfills with uh, methane leaking issues, uh, and helping to be an instrument to those people. Uh, yes, we have to educate them that we exist. But then again, my favorite phone call is to get and you know, hey, we have this problem. I think you can fix it. Let's let's work something out. Yeah. Uh, and, and that I hope is a big focus of ours moving forward. And both of those are 
feed into the third, which is just kind of maintaining our agility is obviously we have a having coming up. Yep. Uh, we have a, ha- a having's always coming up in this space. Uh, and no one knows what's going to happen. And so instead, all you can really do is preserve your optionality. And the more, you know, if you have infinite options, you'll be okay. Unfortunately, infinite options are is hard to do. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. so instead, we focus on our tech. We focus on our partnership. We focus on driving near zero cost power. We focused on having the most efficient machines. And all of these pieces together, uh, I think, set us up to survive whatever market we're headed into. Uh, and those are kind of how all the, the pieces come together. It's, it's fun working in this space when, you know, come, I've consulted for other industries where you could, you could make the 10 year plan. You could write it down. You could say, yeah, this is what's going to happen over 10 years. Yeah. You know, in this space, arguably you can't make a 24 hour plan (laughs) sometimes because, (laughs) you know, you don't know what Bitcoin price is going to be tomorrow, global hash rate, who's going to announce a new ASIC, uh, what the weather is going to be at one of your major mining sites. Right. Uh, And I think, you know, Marathon recognizes that, you know, we plan for the 10 years, but we also recognize that the one thing we know is that that plan is wrong. Yeah. Uh, and therefore, we have to uh, have the tech in place, have the partnerships in place, have the efficiencies uh, in place to make sure that we are prepared for, for anything uh, to survive bad days and to really lean into and take advantage of the great days. Uh, and so hopefully uh, we're able to deliver on that. I don't know. Check back in that two to five, 10 year time frame. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I think you nailed it. The, the industry is uh, it's moving at warp speed uh, all the time. So it's uh, that that's fantastic. Thank you, Adam. It's uh, it, it's going to be fun to watch for sure. Um, so maybe at the end here, why don't you give you know give a handoff to the audience i don't know if if you want that to be for yourself personally or maybe marathon at large you can point the audience to but uh give a handoff to the audience i want them to be able to get in touch with you guys if if they want sure i can give you the lay down on all of that and so our our website easiest way to get there is mara.com m-a-r-a.com and then we're pretty active on twitter as with most bitcoin folks uh Mm -hmm. you can find marathon uh at Marathon DH, short for at Marathon Digital Holdings. So at Marathon DH. And you can find myself uh, at Swick Talk, my last name at S W I C K Talk, T A L K, uh, on Twitter. Uh, and so look for us there. Reach out with any of any and all questions. Please let us know if you have a, a problem where Bitcoin mining could be an instrument to solve it or know of anybody. Uh, in your region where Bitcoin mining can be an instrument to solve it, because uh, I think that where that's the future is heading. Awesome. We will link to all of that in the show notes uh, so that people can easily and quickly find you guys. And Adam, this was uh, to say it was a blast is an understatement. Thank you very much for your time. This was absolute awesome conversation and uh, you take care. Yes. Thanks, Ben, so much. Thanks to all the listeners and hope everybody has a great rest of the day. (laughs) 